Chapter Two of Don Quixote, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Don Quixote, Volume Two, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby. Chapter Two, which treats of the notable altercation which Sancho Panza had with Don Quixote's niece and housekeeper, together with other droll matters. The history relates that the outcry Don Quixote, the curate, and the barber heard came from the niece and the housekeeper exclaiming to Sancho, who was striving to force his way in to see Don Quixote, while they held the door against him. "'What does the vagabond want in this house?' Be off to your own, brother, for it is you and no one else that delude my master and lead him astray and take him tramping about the country. To which Sancho replied, Devil's own housekeeper, it is I who am deluded and led astray and taken tramping about the country and not thy master. He has carried me all over the world and you are mightily mistaken. He enticed me away from home by a trick promising me an island which i am still waiting for may evil islands choke thee thou detestable sancho said the niece what are islands is it something to eat glutton and gormandizer that thou art it is not something to eat replied sancho but something to govern and rule and better than four cities or four judgeships at court for all that, said the housekeeper, you don't enter here, you bag of mischief and sack of knavery. Go govern your house and dig your seed-patch and give over looking for islands or shylands. The curate and the barber listened with great amusement to the words of the three, but Don Quixote, uneasy lest Sancho should blab and blurt out a whole heap of mischievous stupidities and touch upon points that might not be altogether to his credit, called to him, and made the other two hold their tongues, and let him come in. Sancho entered, and the curate and the barber took their leave of Don Quixote, of whose recovery they despaired when they saw how wedded he was to his crazy ideas, and how saturated with the nonsense of his unlucky chivalry, and said the curate to the barber, You will see, gossip, that when we are least thinking of it, our gentleman will be off once more for another flight. I have no doubt of it, returned the barber, but I do not wonder so much at the madness of the knight as at the simplicity of the squire, who has such a firm belief in all that about the island, that I suppose all the exposures that could be imagined would not get it out of his head. "'God help them,' said the curate, "'and let us be on the lookout "'to see what comes of all these absurdities "'of the knight and the squire, "'for it seems as if they had both been cast "'in the same mould, "'and the madness of the master, "'without the simplicity of the man, "'would not be worth a farthing.' "'That is true,' said the barber, "'and I should like very much to know "'what the pair are talking about "'at this very moment.' "'I promise you,' said the curate, "'the niece or the housekeeper will tell us by and by, "'for they are not the ones to forget to listen.' 
Meanwhile, Don Quixote shut himself up in his room with Sancho, and when they were alone he said to him, It grieves me greatly, Sancho, that thou shouldst have said and sayest that I took thee out of thy cottage when thou knowest I did not remain in my house. We sallied forth together, we took the road together, we wandered abroad together, we have had the same fortune and the same luck. If they blanketed thee once, they belabored me a hundred times, and that is the only advantage I have of thee. That was only reasonable, replied Sancho, for by what your worship says, misfortunes belong more properly to knights errant than to their squires. Thou art mistaken, Sancho, said Don Quixote according to the maxim, uh, quando caput dolet, etc. I don't understand any language but my own, said Sancho. I mean to say, said Don Quixote, that when the head suffers, all the members suffer, and so, being thy lord and master, I am thy head, and thou a part of me, as thou art my servant, and therefore any evil that affects or shall affect me should give thee pain, and what affects thee give pain to me. It should be so, said Sancho, but when I was blanketed as a member, my head was on the other side of the wall, looking on while I was flying through the air, and did not feel any pain whatever, and if the members are obliged to feel the suffering of the head, it should be obliged to feel their sufferings. "'Dost thou mean to say, Sancho,' said Don Quixote, "'that I did not feel when they were blanketing thee? "'If thou dost, thou must not say so or think so, "'for I felt more pain then in spirit than thou didst in body. "'But let us put that aside for the present, "'for we shall have opportunities enough for considering and settling the point. "'Tell me, Sancho, my friend,' What do they say about me in the village here? What do the common people think of me? What do the hidalgos? What do the caballeros? What do they say of my valor, of my achievements, of my courtesy? How do they treat the task I have undertaken in reviving and restoring to the world the now forgotten order of chivalry? In short, Sancho, I would have thee tell me all that has come to thine ears on this subject, and thou art to tell me, without adding anything to the good, or taking away anything from the bad, for it is the duty of loyal vassals to tell the truth to their lords, just as it is and in its proper shape, not allowing flattery to add to it, or any idle deference to lessen it. And I would have thee know, Sancho, that if the naked truth, undisguised by flattery, came to the ears of princes, times would be different, and other ages would be reckoned iron ages more than ours, which I hold to be the golden of these latter days. Profit by this advice, Sancho, and report to me clearly and faithfully the truth of what thou knowest, touching what I have demanded of thee. 
"'That I will do with all my heart, master,' replied Sancho, "'provided your worship will not be vexed at what I say, "'as you wish me to say it out in all its nakedness "'without putting any more clothes on it than it came to my knowledge in.' "'I will not be vexed at all,' returned Don Quixote. "'Thou mayest speak freely, Sancho, and without any beating about the bush.' "'Well, then,' said he, first of all, I have to tell you that the common people consider your worship a mighty great madman, and me no less a fool. The Hidalgos say that, not keeping within the bounds of your quality of gentleman, you have assumed the don, and made a knight of yourself at a jump, with four vine-stalks and a couple of acres of land, and never a shirt to your back. The caballeros say they do not want to have Hidalgos setting up in opposition to them, particularly squire Hidalgos who polish their own shoes and darn their black stockings with green silk. That, said Don Quixote, does not apply to me, for I always go well dressed and never patched. Ragged I may be, but ragged more from the wear and tear of arms than of time. As to your worship's valor, courtesy, accomplishments, and task, there is a variety of opinions. Some say, mad, but droll. Others, valiant, but unlucky. Others, courteous, but meddling. And then they go into such a number of things that they don't leave a whole bone either in your worship or in myself. Recollect, Sancho, said Don Quixote, that wherever virtue exists, in an eminent degree, it is persecuted. Few or none of the famous men that have lived escaped being calumniated by malice. Julius Caesar, the boldest, wisest, and bravest of captains, was charged with being ambitious, and not particularly cleanly in his dress, or pure in his morals. Of Alexander, whose deeds won him the name of great, they say that he was somewhat of a drunkard. Of Hercules, him of the many labors, it is said that he was lewd and luxurious. Of Don Galor, the brother of Amadis of Gaul, it was whispered that he was over-quarrelsome, and of his brother that he was lacrimose. So that, O Sancho, amongst all these calumnies against good men, mine may let be pass, since they are no more than thou hast said. That's just where it is, body of my father. Is there more, then? asked Don Quixote. "'There's the tail to be skinned yet,' said Sancho. "'All so far is cakes and fancy bread, "'but if your worship wants to know all about the calumnies they bring against you, "'I will fetch you one this instant who can tell you the whole of them without missing an atom. "'For last night the son of Bartholomew Carrasco, who has been studying at Salamanca, "'came home after having been made a bachelor.' And when I went to welcome him, he told me that your worship's history is already abroad in books, with the title of 
the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha, and he says they mention me in it by my own name of Sancho Panza, and the lady Dulcinea del Tobasco, too, and diverse things that happened to us when we were alone, so that I crossed myself in my wonder how the historian who wrote them down could have known them. I promise thee, Sancho, said Don Quixote, the author of our history will be some sage enchanter, for to such nothing that they choose to write about is hidden. What? said Sancho. A sage and an enchanter? Why, the bachelor Samson Carrasco, that is the name of him I spoke of, says the author of the history is called Cide Hamete Perenhena. That is a Moorish name, said Don Quixote. Maybe so, replied Sancho, for I have heard that the Moors are mostly great lovers of Berenjenas. Thou must have mistaken the surname of this Cide, which means in Arabic Lord, Sancho, observed Don Quixote. Very likely replied Sancho, but if your worship wishes me to fetch the bachelor, I will go for him in a twinkling. Thou wilt do me a great pleasure, my friend, said Don Quixote, for what thou hast told me has amazed me, and I shall not eat a morsel that will agree with me until I have heard all about it. Then I am off for him, said Sancho, and leaving his master, he went in quest of the bachelor with whom he returned in a short time, and all three together they had a very droll colloquy. End of chapter. Chapter 3 Of the laughable conversation that passed between Don Quixote, Sancho Panza, and the bachelor Samson Carrasco. Don Quixote remained very deep in thought, waiting for the bachelor Carrasco from whom he was to hear how he himself had been put into a book, as Sancho said, and he could not persuade himself that any such history could be in existence, for the blood of the enemies he had slain was not yet dry on the blade of his sword, and now they wanted to make out that his mighty achievements were going about in print. For all that, he fancied some sage, either a friend or an enemy, might by the aid of magic, have given them to the press, if a friend, in order to magnify and exalt them above the most famous ever achieved by any knight-errant, if an enemy, to bring them to naught and degrade them below the meanest ever recorded of any low squire, though, as he said to himself, the achievements of squires never were recorded. If, however, it were the fact that such a history were in existence, it must necessarily, being the story of a knight-errant, be grandiloquent, lofty, imposing, grand and true. With this he comforted himself somewhat, though it made him uncomfortable to think that the author was a moor, judging by the title of Cide, and that no truth was to be looked for from moors, as they are all impostors, cheats and schemers. He was afraid he might have dealt with his love affairs in some indecorous fashion that might tend to the discredit and prejudice of the purity of his lady Dulcinea del Tobasco. He would have had him set forth the fidelity and respect he had always observed toward her, 
spurning queens, empresses, and damsels of all sorts, and keeping in check the impetuosity of his natural impulses. Absorbed and wrapped up in these and diverse other cogitations, he was found by Sancho and Carrasco, whom Don Quixote received with great courtesy. The bachelor, though he was called Samson, was of no great bodily size, but he was a very great wag. He was of a sallow complexion, but very sharp-witted, somewhere about four-and-twenty years of age, with a round face, a flat nose, and a large mouth, all indications of a mischievous disposition, and a love of fun and jokes, and of this he gave a sample as soon as he saw Don Quixote, by falling on his knees before him and saying, let me kiss your mightiness's hand, Signor Don Quixote of La Mancha, for by the habit of St. Peter that I wear, though I have no more than the first four orders, your worship is one of the most famous knights errant that have ever been or will be all the world over. A blessing on Sidi Hermete Benengheli, who has written the history of your great deeds, and a double blessing on that connoisseur who took the trouble of having it translated out of the Arabic into our Castilian vulgar tongue for the universal entertainment of the people. Don Quixote made him rise and said, So, then, it is true that there is a history of me, and that it was a moor and a sage who wrote it? So true it is, Signor, said Samson, that my belief is there are more than twelve thousand volumes of said history in print this very day. Only ask Portugal, Barcelona, and Valencia, where they have been printed. And moreover, there is a report that it is being printed in Antwerp, and I am persuaded there will not be a country or language in which there will not be a translation of it. One of the things, here observed Don Quixote, that ought to give the most pleasure to a virtuous and eminent man is to find himself in his lifetime in print and in type, familiar in people's mouths with a good name. I say with a good name, for if it be the opposite, then there is no death to be compared to it. If it goes by good name and fame, said the bachelor, your worship alone bears away the palm from all the knights errant, for the Moor in his own language and the Christian in his have taken care to set before us your gallantry, your high courage in encountering dangers, your fortitude in adversity, your patience under misfortunes as well as wounds, the purity and continence of the platonic loves of your worship and my lady Dona Dulcinea del Tobasco. I never heard my lady Dulcinea called Dona, observed Sancho here nothing more than the lady Dulcinea del Tobasco. So here already the history is wrong. That is not an objection of any importance, replied Carrasco. Certainly not, said Don Quixote. But tell me, Señor Bachelor, what deeds of mine are they that are most made of in this history? On that point, replied the Bachelor, opinions differ, as tastes do. Some swear by the adventure of the windmills that your worship took to be Briarusus and giants, others by that of the fulling mills. One cries up the description of the two armies that afterwards took the appearance of droves of sheep, another that of the dead body on its way to be buried at Segovia, 
a third says the liberation of the galley slaves is the best of all and a fourth that nothing comes up to the affair with the benedictine giants and the battle with the valiant biscayan tell me senor bachelor said sancho at this point does the adventure with the yangusans come in when our good rocinante went hankering after dainties the sage has left nothing in the ink bottle replied samson he tells all and sets down everything even to the capers that worthy sancho cut in the blanket i cut no capers in the blanket returned sancho in the air i did and more of them than i liked there is no human history in the world i suppose said don quixote that has not its ups and downs but more than others such as deal with chivalry for they can never be entirely made up of prosperous adventures for all that replied the bachelor there are those who have read the history who say they would have been glad if the author had left out some of the countless cudgelings that were inflicted on senor don quixote in various encounters that's where the truth of the history comes in said sancho at the same time they might fairly have passed them over in silence observed don quixote for there is no need of recording events which do not change or affect the truth of a history if they tend to bring the hero of it into contempt aeneas was not in truth and earnest so pious as virgil represents him nor ulysses so wise as homer describes him that is true said samson but it is one thing to write as a poet another to write as a historian the poet may describe or sing things not as they were but as they ought to have been but the historian has to write them down not as they ought to have been but as they were without adding anything to the truth or taking anything from it well then said sancho if this senor moor goes in for telling the truth no doubt among my master's drubbings mine are to be found for they never took the measure of his worship's shoulders without doing the same for my whole body but i have no right to wonder at that for as my master says the members must share the pain of the head you are a sly dog sancho said don quixote in faith you have no want of memory when you choose to remember if i were to try to forget the thwacks they gave me said sancho my wheels would not let me for they are still fresh on my ribs hush sancho said don quixote and don't interrupt the bachelor whom i entreat to go on and tell all that is said about me in this history and about me said sancho for they say too that i am one of the principal personages in it personages not personages friend sancho said samson what another word-catcher said sancho if that's to be the way we shall not make an end in a lifetime may god shorten mine sancho returned the bachelor if you are not the second person in the history and there are even some who would rather hear you talk than the cleverest in the whole book though there are some too who say you showed yourself over-credulous in believing that there was any possibility in the government of that island offered you by senor don quixote there is still sunshine on that wall 
said Don Quixote, and when Sancho is somewhat more advanced in life, with the experience that years bring, he will be fitter and better qualified for being a governor than he is at present. By God, master, said Sancho, the island that I cannot govern with the years I have, I'll not be able to govern with the years of Methuselah. The difficulty is that the said island keeps its distance somewhere, I know not where, and not that there is any want of a head in me to govern it. Leave it to God, Sancho, said Don Quixote, for all will be, and perhaps better than you think, no leaf on the tree stirs but by God's will. That is true, said Samson, and if it be God's will, there will not be any want of a thousand islands, much less one, for Sancho to govern. I have seen governors in these parts, said Sancho, that are not to be compared to my shoe-sole, and for all that they are called your lordship and served on silver. Those are not governors of islands, observed Samson, but of other governments of an easier kind. Those that govern islands must at least know grammar. I could manage the gram well enough, said Sancho, but for the mar... I have neither leaning nor liking, for I don't know what it is, but leaving this matter of the government in God's hands, to send me wherever it may be most to his service, I may tell you, Signor Bachelor Samson Carrasco, it has pleased me beyond measure that the author of this history should have spoken of me in such a way that what is said of me gives no offence, for on the faith of a true squire, if he had said anything about me that was at all unbecoming an old Christian, such as I am, the deaf would have heard of it. That would be working miracles, said Samson. Miracles or no miracles, said Sancho. Let everyone mind how he speaks or writes about people and not set down at random the first thing that comes into his head. One of the faults they find with this history, said the bachelor, is that its author inserted it in a novel called the ill-advised curiosity. Not that it is bad or ill-told, but that it is out of place and nothing to do with the history of his worship, Signor Don Quixote. I will bet the son of a dog has mixed the cabbages and the baskets, said Sancho. Then I say, said Don Quixote, the author of my history was no sage, but some ignorant chatterer, who, in a haphazard and heedless way, set about writing it, let it turn out as it might, just as Orbaneja, the painter of Ubeda, used to do, who, when they asked him what he was painting, answered, What it may turn out. Sometimes he would paint a cock in such a fashion, and so unlike that he had to write alongside of it in Gothic letters, This is a cock and so it will be with my history, which will require a commentary to make it intelligible. No fear of that, returned Samson, for it is so plain that there is nothing in it to puzzle over. The children turn its leaves, the young people read it, the grown men understand it, the old folks praise it. In a word, it is so thumbed and read and got by heart by people of all sorts that the instant they see any lean hack, they say, There goes Rocinante and those that are most given to reading it are the pages, for there is not a lord's antechamber where there is not a Don Quixote to be found. One takes it up if another lays it down, this one pounces upon it, and that one begs for it. In short, 
the said history is the most delightful and least injurious entertainment that has been hitherto seen, for there is not to be found in the whole of it even the semblance of an immodest word, or a thought that is other than Catholic. To write in any other way, said Don Quixote, would not be to write truth, but falsehood, and historians who have recourse to falsehood ought to be burned, like those who coin false money, and I know not what could have led the author to have recourse to novels and irrelevant stories, when he had so much to write about in mine. No doubt he must have gone by the proverb, with straw or with hay, etc., for by merely setting forth my thoughts, my sighs, my tears, my lofty purposes, my enterprises, he might have made a volume as large or larger than all the works of El Tostado would make up. In fact, the conclusion I arrive at, Signor Bachelor, is that to write histories, or books of any kind, there is need of great judgment and a ripe understanding to give expression to humor and write in a strain of graceful pleasantry is the gift of great geniuses. The cleverest character in comedy is the clown, for he who would make people take him for a fool must not be one. History is, in a measure, a sacred thing, for it should be true, and where the truth is, there God is. But notwithstanding this, there are some who write and fling books broadcast on the world as if they were fritters. There is no book so bad, but it has something good in it, said the bachelor. No doubt of that, replied Don Quixote, but it often happens that those who have acquired and attained a well-deserved reputation by their writings lose it entirely or damage it in some degree when they give them to the press. The reason of that, said Samson, is that as printed works are examined leisurely, their faults are easily seen, and the greater the fame of the writer, the more closely they are scrutinized. Men famous for their genius, great poets, illustrious historians, are always, or most commonly, envied by those who take a particular delight and pleasure in criticizing the writings of others, without having produced any of their own. That is no wonder, said Don Quixote, for there are many divines who are no good for the pulpit, but excellent in detecting the defects or excesses of those who preach. All that is true, Signor Don Quixote, said Carrasco, but I wish such fault-finders were more lenient and less exacting, and did not pay so much attention to the spots on the bright sun of the work they grumble at, for if aliquando bonus dormitat homeras, they should remember how long he remained awake to shed the light of his work with as little shade as possible, and perhaps it may be that what they find fault with may be moles that sometimes heighten the beauty of the face that bears them. And so I say, very great is the risk to which he who prints a book exposes himself, for of all impossibilities the greatest is to write one that will satisfy and please all readers that which treats of me must have pleased few said don quixote quite the contrary said the bachelor for as strutorum infinitum est numeris 
innumerable are those who have relished the said history, but some have brought a charge against the author's memory, inasmuch as he forgot to say who the thief was who stole Sancho's dapple. For it is not stated there, but only to be inferred from what is set down, that he was stolen, and a little farther on we see Sancho mounted on the same ass without any reappearance of it. They say, too, that he forgot to state what Sancho did with those hundred crowns that he found in the valise of Sierra Morena, as he never alludes to them again, and there are many who would be glad to know what he did with them, or what he spent them on, for it is one of the serious omissions of the work. Signor Sampson, I am not in a humor now for going into accounts or explanations, said Sancho, for there is a sinking of the stomach come over me, and unless I doctor it with a couple of sups of the old stuff, it will put me on the thorn of Santa Lucia. I have it at home, and my old woman is waiting for me. After dinner I will come back and will answer you and all the world every question you may choose to ask as well about the loss of the ass as about the spending of the hundred crowns. And without another word, or waiting for a reply, he made off home. Don Quixote begged and entreated the bachelor to stay and do penance with him. The bachelor accepted the invitation and remained. A couple of young pigeons were added to the ordinary fare. At dinner they talked chivalry. Carrasco fell in with his host's humor, the banquet came to an end, they took their afternoon sleep, Sancho returned, and their conversation was resumed. End of chapter 3 Reading by Tisto, T-Y-S-T-O dot com